Today on Locked On Red Wings, Scotty and I will give you a little bit of news and notes updates on the head coaching vacancies around the league, as well as uh, should the Red Wings trade for Montreal Canadiens defenseman Jeff Petrie. And then if we got time, clean it up with a little bit of how do you feel about it Friday. Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a producer over at 97 on the ticket. Well, Scotty is a uh, host at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist at the Detroit News. Happy NBA Draft Day, by the way, Scotty. Yeah, of that. the uh, the Pistons certainly made a uh, a big move, <laughs> a big move yesterday to to lead up to that. So we're not locked on Pistons, but I will say real quick, Kuda, Kuda's a great job, though. He does. He does an absolutely phenomenal job. So if you want to listen to Jeremy Grant trade news and his opinion on it, check out Lockdown Pistons. He does a great job. I'm okay with the trade if it is a preamble to something more. Either packaging that first-round pick that they just got for 2025, the Bucks first-round pick, which would presumably be a late first-round pick, you assume, yep. by the time 2025 rolls around, with something else to mo either move up or you spend that extra cap space on somebody big in free agency. If this is it for this trade, I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I, I, in a vacuum, it's bad value. I mean, it, it is. Now, it's bad value optically, but at the end of the day, you're only worth what your market is, right? We went through the yeah. same thing with Nemestikov. Like, that's, that's you know what I mean? If, if that's your market, then then that's your market. So Pistons fans overvalued him a little bit, but uh, or a lot of it, I guess. Um, but we have, like, the most cap space, like, any team has, like, ever had in the history of the NBA right now. Yeah. So you would imagine... Uh, that with $43 million in cap and the NBA draft today, as we're recording this yesterday, as you're listening to this, um, that, you know, they they would have something, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges, both with still a ton of cap left over. Like they, they have so much cap that, um, you know, hopefully that they did that move to line up, line up something fun. Yeah. And um you know, just full disclosure too, guys, we are recording this at noon on Thursday because I have to work the NBA draft at LCA. So if there's any news that comes out in the next 12 hours between when we recorded this and when this uh, comes out at midnight, we'll get to it on Monday. But that's just the reality of the situation. We're, we're growing up, so we got work to do. But Scotty, for our purposes today, um, we want to talk about first here in the first segment, just clean up some news and notes. We've been neglecting it because we've had a lot to talk about the last few days. And we had a guest on with Will Scouts yesterday, but there have been two more head coaching hirings in the NHL. The Dallas Stars, like was reported a couple of weeks ago, but the Dallas Stars officially hired Pete DeBoer. Um, it's, that's another one of those signings where we're just like, good. Thank you for taking, they, thanks for taking uh, the cool. L for the team, Dallas, yeah. and getting him off the market. Dallas and is probably Philly. Shout and out Philly. Philly, man. Well, we I think we did talk about that. Shout out Philly. I think we did. I think it was like a we did like a passing comment thing about it. But yeah, but um, the, shout out, shout out Philly. The two coaches on the coaching carousel I wanted the least have been swept up. Uh Tortorella said it's gonna be his, you know, last coaching job, I believe he said. It, last last time he's gonna ever coach, which is For interesting sure, after dude. he signs a four year contract with Philadelphia. He's like, Yeah, this will be the last time. Yeah, um, that's an interesting take for sure. But and then Paul Maurice, who is the former head coach of the 
Winnipeg Jets that stepped away midway through the season, said he needed to take some time away from hockey, accepted a job with the Florida Panthers, which that's a huge slap in the face of uh, Brunette and that Panthers team. Dude, did you see the, the memes? Trophy. The memes I, that came I out of that? I actually haven't seen any Oh, memes. dude, so funny. There, <laughs> there's one that's like, it was, uh, I don't even remember what the cartoon was from, but it was like somebody pointing to a door and it said, get out. And the caption just said, when you're the head coach of the team that has like the best record in the NHL and scores the most goals in the entire league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like POV, you get head coach of the year. Uh, like you, you could definitely make the argument that Brunette's inexperience as head coach did definitely um, contribute to their them getting knocked out in the playoffs, but he still led the team to the President's Trophy. And, and how else are you going to get experience by, yes. by not playing in the postseason? <laughs> like, that's they, like jobs that are like, hey, you need, you know, you, well, the you question, need 10 years of experience, but you need to be, you know, be right. right out of college. It's like, okay. The, the question then becomes like, so they obviously, the Florida Panthers said, you know, we are very open to ha- continue to have Brunette in the organization as an assistant coach. Um, but does he even stay? Like, I, I don't know how he views it. I really don't. Because he could be cool with it, for all we know. Um, but, you know, does he all of a sudden then become a head coaching candidate for the Detroit Red Wings? I mean, I it, it's tough because you don't know how much of the Panthers' success was just that phenomenal team being stacked. Obviously, the Panthers believe that the success of the team was mostly because of the team and not because of the coach that they went out there and they hired Paul Maurice. Who's he's all right. He's had some success some, some places and he has had mediocre success others. I mean, you could make the argument that that Winnipeg Jets team should have succeeded more under Paul Maurice than they did. There's a lot of talk about that Winnipeg Jets team being a toxic environment because mm-hmm. apparently Pierre Luc Dubois has said that he wants out and he's going to test free agency in 2024. He gave the Jets two years head up that he is going to leave. Yeah, that the Winnipeg dude hasn't Jets. hasn't liked anywhere he's been. I think he's got a little bit of a main character syndrome. Yeah, he's man, than he is this guy. I swear, man. Every every six months, this dude's unhappy and and proclaiming how he's going to give the team an ultimatum or he's going to leave. Literally every every six months, he's got he's got something going on for sure. Oh yeah, I'm just. It's hilarious. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's hilarious. It is. I remember when there was a little bit of a campaign to bring him here. The last time he freaked out and had a meltdown. I mean, I'm still, I'd still be open to it because he is a very talented forward. Oh yeah, he's um, a damn good player. You know, personalities are something you do kind of have to deal with in the NHL. And I'd take a guy who just is a little bit up his own at, uh, up his own butt, other uh, <laughs> over a guy who is, uh, you know, oh slick bud. You, you know. He, I, I won't get into certain, you know, rumors about other players because I don't want to speculate. But, you know, I'd rather take a guy who has a huge ego than guys who have, like, past, murky pasts with allegations, I'll say. No, you know for what sure, I mean? for sure. There's definitely worst, worse scenarios to be in, for sure. Worse, uh, yeah, whatever, scenarios but, or worse prototypes. But it's it's just funny to me that this dude... No matter where he is, advance. yeah. No matter where he is, no matter what his contract length is, no matter anything, he's he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be out there complaining about something. But we're talking about head coaching here, and obviously the bigger the bigger angle here for Detroit Red Wings fans narrative is not that DeBoer got hired in Dallas, and not that Paul Maurice got hired in Winnipeg or not Winnipeg in Florida. Is that now there's only three head coaching vacancies remaining? and Barry Trotz is still on the market. 
now that those vacancies being his hometown still in Winnipeg. And I know they've had multiple conversations and that seems like a likely home or a likely landing spot yep. for Barry Trotz. But for Detroit's purposes, we've talked about it. We think it'd be a good fit here for Detroit. And I think there is a way you could lure him here. But Boston's also an interesting candidate. Now, their window is closing. But if Bergeron decides not to retire, ultimately, you know, they still have a a pretty solid core on that team, even if they lose Pasternak to win now. So it depends on where Barry Trotz's mindset is at, because, you know, he could still want to win now. Or there's also the angle that he could go into uh, front office roles with Nashville, because apparently he just bought a house in Nashville. And he's very, I mean, he spent over 10 years in Nashville. So he's very, right. very well connected with that organization. So the very Trotz thing is still very much up in the air, but we've narrowed down the possibilities of places for him to go. I'm still kind of, you know, I've hitched my wagon on the Barry Trotz train and I still would like him to be my number one candidate, but my brain is telling me that it's probably going to be either Derek Lalonde or uh, Warsofsky of the Chicago Wolves because he's getting a lot of attraction. How so I think 91? you're going to see a first time head coach here in Detroit still. How about 91? I still don't think it's going to happen. I would he, he still was in the video. Shocked. He, he was, was in the video. video, Brian. He was in and, the video. So I less so think it's about, now I less so think it's about the organizational relationship and just more so that he just signed a KHL contract. I don't think he's going to leave. He just I, I, I agree with you. I, I would be, I would be floored. I, I would, I would for real, I would be stunned in the best way possible. I would obviously welcome it, but I would be, I would very much be, uh, be extremely shocked if but that he, were the case. Here's the other thing to consider. But he was in me. the video. He was in the video. Um, well, so was Dominic Kostic. So is he the ex head coach? Mm, maybe. Dylan Larkin, is he the next head coach? Yes. Player <laughs> coach. Yes. So it just comes down to, I guess, you know, our my heart obviously says Barry Trotz, and we've discussed it. I, you, you're in the same boat as me here. And, but I think the fact that head coaches are beginning to get hired in the NHL kind of signals that while official announcement may not be made, he may have made his decision known to others on what he is going to do. Maybe. Maybe. And that's, that's a, an idea you can come at too. So while my heart wants Barry Trotz, and there's only three teams for him to choose, if he so chooses to continue being a head coach, I'm open to the idea, and I would support the idea of a Derek Lalonde or the Chicago Wolves head coach to being the next head coach of the Red Wings. I think those are those are – Good guys with good experience, ready to take that next step. Or 91 because he was in the video. Or 91 because he was in the video. <laughs> um, coming up in segment two, we're going to talk about Jeff Petrie and whether or not the Red Wings should make a trade for the Ann Arbor native. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You taste buds? You taste, taste buds. buds. Get your taste bod swole this summer. Wow. That uh, was really something that just <laughs> happened. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at built bar have given coconut brownie chunk, the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar from fav- flavor. You love is in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs, that's a mouthful, are only here for a limited time. Go, go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going to going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. 
The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need some quick, healthy snack, they are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Segment 2, Locked on Red Wings podcast. We're going to transition now into a possible trade scenario for Montreal Canadiens defenseman and Ann Arbor native Jeff Petrie. And uh, coming into this, I you know, he's obviously, Scotty, uh, another guy that you would take on for the cap hit. You take on, you have to get to the cap floor this summer. And plus he's Montreal needs to shed cap because they're going to go into a rebuild and they need as much cap space as possible if they want to do this rebuild successfully. So it seems like a match made in heaven a la Mark Stahl two years ago. The only difference here is Jeff Petrie is a little bit younger, has him a little bit more left in the tank. And here's the thing, three years left on his contract, whereas Mark Stahl was an expiring deal. Jeff Petrie, do you think, Scotty, the Red Wings should take a flyer on this Michigan native defenseman? So here's the thing. I really don't mind it at all. Like, I, I understand, you know, the optics of uh, of that. What would you say? Three years left. Like, I, I, I understand that that doesn't look great. Um, but again, like we have so much cap space, it is insane how much cap space we have. So I, I, I really don't mind it. Obviously, you know, we, I don't want to give up too terribly much. I, I don't think we need to, or should give up too terribly much, but, um, as far as adding, you know, a right shot defenseman to this team, like, yeah, why not? Well, and that's the, that's the exact thing. And so, so he still has five, three years, five point five, really six point five, because he gets paid out a signing bonus each each year. So three years, six point five million dollars left. And the Red Wings have the cap space to spare, and they need to hit the cap floor. They have to spend about fourteen million dollars this offseason to hit the cap floor. And obviously, you know, with signings to RFAs, maybe leave them about ten million. I think 6.5 for three years is a little steep. So for sure, I think that for Jeff Petrie, you would probably try and get Montreal to retain a little bit of that salary if possible. But if you get them to retain salary, then you're also hurting what you're going to get back in this trade as well. Because typically in trades like this, you're trying to also get something back as well on top of the, player that you're getting now I don't think it's going to be like Mark Stahl where I think they gave you a second round pick because yeah. Jeff Petrie is more productive than Mark Stahl was at that point with the Rangers um he is 34 years old so he is on the second half of his career but and he had 27 points in 68 games played last season and 42 points the year before and his career high is 46 points in 82 games played in 1819 with the Montreal Canadiens he's he is a decent he is a decently productive I'll say offensive defenseman, but he does he plays a good defensive game too. Now, obviously, with three years left, you expect that play to continue to, to decline. But if you're looking to replace a guy like Mark Stahl on this team, 
I think Jeff Petrie would be a good option to trade for and then maybe get, I would say like, what, a third or a fourth round pick back. I don't think it's crazy. You might have to swap with them and give them a, sec, a seventh round pick as well because they're going to be looking to accrue assets. But I think getting, if you're looking to having them retain salary, you get a fourth round pick and you give up a seventh round pick in the process. I think that's a good deal. Now, I don't know how realistic it would be if you're, because obviously I'm coming at this as a Red Wings fan. But if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan and you're listening to this, you know, let us know in the comments if you think that's even a realistic trade. But if you're the Montreal Canadiens and you're trying to clear up cap space going into a full rebuild, because they only have projected $1 million of cap space, $1 million. They have got the clear cap space entering into this rebuild. I think this is the way you do it, because if you're giving up all $6 million, you're giving up a you're giving up better draft capital as well, and you want your draft capital entering this rebuild. Now, they have a plethora of draft picks as well. Just this year alone, they have two first-round picks. They're about to get Shane Wright. (laughs) Yeah, they're about to get Shane Wright. So they have two first-round picks. They have Calgary uh, first. They have two second-round picks. They have Edmonton second, three-thirds, and three-fourths. So if you maybe maybe you can get Edmonton Oilers second-round pick because that's going to be a later draft pick, and they're not losing a lot. So it's I, I think there is, out of all the trade scenarios we've talked about, Scotty, I think this is the most realistic. You're getting a veteran right-handed D with still some left in the tank. He's son of Dan Petrie. That doesn't matter, but you got to throw that fact out there. Uh, Former Tiger pitcher. Was he a pitcher? Sorry, this is where your knowledge comes in. Yes, yes. He was a pitcher. He was was in the uh, World World Series champion, a pitcher for uh, for the most recent Tigers World Series team. But he is Michigan-born, which people love that. It doesn't really play much into the conversation. Went to Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's I, I think the fit is there more so than any other um, thing we've talked about. You just get that veteran defenseman. He helps shore up your defensive side of things. Uh, he replaces Mark Stahl if you're going to split ways with him, and you have him for a few more years to help really solidify that 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 defensive core. And you get yeah. something back in return for sure. Yeah, if if they were to if they're trying to like actively you know like dump him, then like for sure that's that's a in my mind, that's a slam dunk. Again, like you, you have so much cap space. You have so much money that not only you can spend, but you have so much that you need to spend. Yes. And uh, you, like obviously on the decline, like just finished his age 34 season. But I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, he got Norris votes in 2021, like just last, not this season, but the last season he, he received, you know, he finished 13th or 14th or whatever, but got Norris votes. I mean, it, it's not a not a horribly unproductive, like going to be no value. Oh, it's just strictly a salary dump. Like he, he could play some, he's an improvement over a lot of the defensemen we had that that's for darn sure. I think if he was on this roster this year, he immediately becomes the second best defenseman. Yeah, I I completely agree. And that like his contract is big and and he's in his mid thirties. Absolutely. But, um, you know, anytime you can basically get paid, to bring in a guy who is instantly your second best D man. I think that's that, that optically sounds a lot nicer than just the, the deal in a vacuum. And we obviously acknowledge that second best defenseman on this team is a low bar for we sure. acknowledge that, but for what it's worth, you know, his advanced metrics, you know, speak pretty well for how he was. Um, here's his player card. And he was a 76th percentile for goals above Solid. expected goals above replacement that he's in the top 24% of defensemen this last season. His even strength offense was very impressive. His expected goals above replacement and even strength offense was seven or eight there between six and nine on the graph. And his actual 
was a little bit worse, which would lead you to believe he was putting himself in position to provide more offense for the team, but just wasn't capitalizing on it. And again, that could come down to the team he was playing on. They were the worst team in the NHL, but Mm -hmm. he had a positive impact on the ice offensively and defensively on the worst team in hockey. There's a lot to be said about that. His offensive and defensive ranks were above, well above a replacement level player on the worst team in hockey. The only place that he suffered was power play offense, expected goals above replacement. And again, that could be as simple, chopped up as simply as worst team in hockey. And you can't make that as the entire excuse, but the advanced metrics benefit him. So you look at his overall um, expected goals for percentage, like how he was, he was at 48% this season, Scotty. And obviously you want a player to be 50% or above. Cause that would, le- that leads to when that player is on the ice, the team takes more shots than receive shots against. But if you compare that to the Montreal Canadiens overall ex- um, expected goals for percentage, he was well above the team's expected goals for percentage relative to his teammates. He was 0.31. Um, expected goals for percentage, which was better than what Mort Sider was compared to the Red Wings defensive or Red Wings teammates. So right. he is, he was a positive, a strong positive asset at 33, 34 years old on the worst team in hockey. So I think, yeah, you're going to take on at least half of that contract, half that money, but with the cap space you have and the fact that you have to get to the floor, he still provides you know, a, a, a positive a- asset and help shore up the weakest part of your team. I think the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm convincing myself that adding a veteran Jeff Petrie, it would be an asset to this team at a low cost. I could not agree more. I really, I really like the move and I, and I, you wouldn't have to give up too much. Cause like you, like we've talked about, they're trying to set shed salary and uh, he's instantly a plus on your team for, I mean, even in the third year of his deal, if you completely revamp the defense, like having a guy like that, at, at, you know, three seasons down the road as a um, as a veteran third liner or whatever, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think for again, for a team that needs to spend like 10 mil just to even be able to play on opening night, like this is really not a bad move. I I am complete agreeance, man. Um I don't know what else I need to say about it. I think I've said my piece. I think it just, it seems like a really good fit and the trade would make sense for both teams. Again, I, I'm not sure on what, what would be needed to make the trade happen, but I don't think it would cost the Red Wings a whole lot. I th- in fact, I think you yeah, would get either. better value out of the trade than the Montreal Canadiens would. I think it would be a win-win because shedding salary for them and giving up whatever tons of draft capital they have isn't going to really hurt them. But I, I, I think, I think it would really make a lot of sense. I agree. So let's move on then into segment three here. Um, let's do a little bit of how do you feel about it Friday to end of the week. Have a little bit let's of fun. We've been getting back into that a little bit now, and it's a, it's a little bit slower season, so it allows us to have a little bit more fun. Um, I should have saved my how did you feel about the Jeremy Grant trade until now, though. Well, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I uh, like I said at the beginning, it, it in a vacuum, it's a huge I, I don't like using the word bad because at the end of the day, that's a like he, Weaver is is a general manager for, for a team. Like he clearly knows what he's doing. And, yeah, he's proven that he can make smart moves in the past. Right. And and so I don't like using the word bad because like that if that was his market value, then that's his market value. But 
certainly underwhelming would, would be yeah. the word like they, significantly underwhelming return form so in a vacuum it's it, it is that it, it is incredibly underwhelming and uh probably pretty frustrating but i think that if you look at beyond just the trade in a vacuum again and you realize that we now have 43 million dollars in cap space uh, with guys like Aiden out there, I think we're going to throw a max at Aiden, honestly. Uh, and I think we're going to throw a lot of money at Miles Bridges too, which would be super cool for marketing. And just like, you know, Miles Bridges coming home would be super cool. Um, I, I think there's a lot of guys in, in this free agency class that, that we have the chance to throw, throw some, some money at. And if we don't get all the people we want, you know, Brunson's out there too. If we don't get all the money we want that, or all the people we want, then, you know, we, still have a ton of cap next off season too, and, and can make trades with, you know, involving how much money we have in the cap we have and such. So um, again, optically and, and looking at it in a vacuum, really underwhelming, really not, uh, not, not too, you know, happy. <laughs> it, it all depends what you do with that cap but, space. And right. if you do anything with that draft pick, I mean, like first round draft picks, there's only two rounds in the NBA draft. And so another first round pick, even if it is three years away, does have value. But the problem is it's top four protected. So you you don't get the draft. What happens? So I don't know the NBA as well as in other sports, but I know that if that pick becomes one through four, they don't get it. So what do they get in return? They get their pick the next year. That's see, that's just and I don't think the Bucks in three years are going to be awful. I don't think they're going to be a lottery team the next three years. But, you know, you saw it with Golden State injuries happen and all of a sudden you're a lottery team. Um, and now they're back to being a champion this, this year. I just, I'm holding out hope that Troy Weaver has something else in the works here. I, I would be shocked if we just sat on our hands and didn't do anything this free agency yeah. with all you this money. I really would. Because the value in first round draft picks drops off drastically after like 15. Yeah. Not even like, like eight. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. a 22nd draft is, is yeah. A 25th overall first round draft pick is not going to have a lot of value, unfortunately, because the right. draft is so shallow and the talent pool is just shallow in NBA drafts. It, that's what it is. You get a lot of elite talent up front and then everyone else is just it's you, you throw a, a dart at the dartboard and hopefully you land on something. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't know. How are you feeling about the draft? How are you feeling about the draft? I mean, I know you got a NBA work draft. It, yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I want Ivy personally. I, I was about to I'm say the same thing. I, I want big. I want Jaden Ivy. I think the Kings Ivy are going to go full Kings, man. You know, they haven't proven any, they haven't proven ever to make us think otherwise. So I would not be surprised if uh, Ivy's there. I would, I would, I think Ivy is the one that a lot of people want. Um, this Murray is, just... is is incredibly controversial. Everybody either loves or hates him, but I, That's I think the guy Ivy the Kings is had dinner with, right? Yeah. I, I really think Ivy is, is the pick if he's there. I would be shocked if Jaden Ivy was on the board at five and he wasn't a Detroit Piston. <laughs> I would be shocked too. I just the Pistons have a really bright future, and but it's just like NBA is so fragile, where it doesn't take a lot to make your team a playoff contender because teams themselves aren't very deep. You know, you have what ten players that play any given day, and one because it's such a skill based game compared to hockey, which has a pretty high luck factor. One player can make or break a season. I mean, you look at like, I mean, look at the biggest thing is the Cavs when they had LeBron. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that LeBron James was capable of dragging that team to a a championship and to another finals. As soon as he left, that team went full rebuild. 
Steph, you can make the same argument with Steph Curry and Golden State. Now, that's a phenomenal roster, but without Steph Curry, that team is not a, you know, right. a championship contender. And so with having Cade here already, and you know, you were hoping to get a, a higher draft pick in the draft here, but with another fifth overall pick in the way, you're gonna get another quality player. This team could, you know, rocket themselves into a playoff spot if it comes together. But the problem is, is if this these players become what you drafted them to be, and that's why I say it's so fragile. Because you think you could be getting a great player, and then you get Zion Williamson, who can't stay healthy. And when he is on the the, the floor, it seems kind of like a non-factor at times. So it's just, you get that player, and you're a playoff team. But if that player ends up not even being 50% of what you thought he could be, your team's not a playoff team. So it's just, it, it's so hard to tell. They, they have such a bright future, but it could just crumble underneath them so fast. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with what they do with that 43 mil, so... DeAndre Ayton? I mean, he's going to get a max thrown at him for sure. I would yeah. be shocked if he didn't. Um, how do you feel about... I asked you about Obi-Wan last week. I just watched the finale today, so it's on my head. I don't want to ask you about I haven't, it. I haven't even watched it since we last I know. talked about it. So. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about... Man, I'm going to pull, pull an Ethan here. Okay, <laughs> um, Ethan, man. How do you feel about... How do you feel about Arch Manning committing to Texas? Thank you for saving me. I could not think of anything. It literally just happened like two minutes ago, mid-recording. Arch Manning, the third-generation Manning. uh, So whose son is he? I don't even know. He is the oldest brother that never played in the NFLs. Oh, he committed to where? Texas. Longhorns. The oldest of the Manning brothers? The, the son of the oldest of the, the Manning son brothers. of the oldest. Okay, yeah. okay. It's the third generation. So Archie right. Manning. This shows the... you how. This shows you my NFL knowledge, man. <laughs> like it's so shallow. Archie played for the Saints like well before we were born, like decades before we were born, and then Peyton and Eli obviously yeah, played. I know those. And for all of our lives, uh, and then this is they have a. Well, the the two of them have an older brother that got hurt when he was he went to Ole Miss and got hurt when he was in college and never played in the NFL because he was hurt. Um, his son is now he was the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country and now he's going to Texas, which is crazy because didn't they just join all the SEC? three of no they're still in that whatever. Oh, okay. But it's just at least in football, it's just it's it's wild because the. Like the three of them went Ole Miss. The oldest went to Ole Miss, and Eli went to Ole Miss, and and Peyton went to Tennessee. So like they all went to like blue blood like SEC schools, and then he goes to goes to Texas. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. I know Georgia was in the sweepstakes. Bama was for a little bit, but yeah, he's he's going to Texas. It's interesting that if he's the top QB prospect, why would he? Go? I mean, obviously he immediately like would become you know, like the name at Texas, but Alabama, like that's the, that, yeah. that is like, well, the I mean, like for NFL talent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's interesting. Cause you know, then you have the argument of, you know, I mean, at Texas, who knows how early he could play. He could play his, his second season all the way until he graduates. He could play, I mean, maybe even his first season until he graduates like Texas, um, their, their quarterback situation has been shaky. So, Maybe he goes there because he can play a lot more. And at Bama, he would get 
you know, like a year, maybe two years of starting two, three years from now. And then that's it. Like, I don't know, but I did just think of a, how do you feel about a Friday? And this is a perfect one to end the episode on. How did you feel about the overtime goal controversy from last night? Mm, yeah, you... I, I, I completely sided with Colorado. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous that stupid. Or, argument. Yeah. If you watch any line shift in NHL history, dog, it's called changing thing. on the fly. Yeah, like it happens every shift. It's, it's, there was no advantage. There was no disadvantage. And it happens literally every and, mid, like mid game shift. It, it happens. It's not, it's, it, that, that's a nothing argument. That's a, if you look at that picture they keep showing of the six players on the ice, you look just past Nathan McKinnon changing off the ice. You see two Tampa Bay Lightning defensemen on the ice also doing the same thing. So right. Tampa, in the same, same argument they're making, had seven guys on the ice. Yeah, it's it's so, really Nolan Nolan Bianchi like put it best when he said I he tweeted out he's like man I would love playing for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning knowing that uh, none of my <laughs> actions are held accountable and that no matter what happens the coach is just gonna blame blame poor refing. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and it's like I'm sorry, did Nazem Kadri not burn right past Mikhail Sergachev? that game yeah, winner dude. like like what are we talking like about, you don't want to lose don't get burned on the outside don't it, allow a clean zone entry i mean there's so many that's the thing and it not to make it about you know my men's league team but something similar kind of happened <laughs> in my men's league playoff game the other day um where the refs may the refs missed an egregious call our goalie had it covered and they just never blew the whistle and they allowed the other team to push our goalie into the net for for the game tying goal and they ended up winning my team was freaking out. Some of my players on my team were freaking out, blaming the refs. It's like, well, there was still everything that happened before that that we could have done to prevent that from even happening. So, like, the players have to take responsibility, going back to the Colorado-Tampa Bay game. The players have to take responsibility for what they could have done to prevent that because you have to play through refing. Correct. Regardless, and it's not even a controversy. Like, this isn't even – the goal should have counted. It also wasn't bad refing. <laughs> it wasn't even bad refing. Like, you grow have, up. You have to – you have to play through that if you want to win. The best team wins in every situation. And in that situation, Colorado was the best team. Tampa Bay looked tired. They looked exhausted. And Colorado said some left in the tank. They were the better team. They deserved to win in overtime. I'm sorry. Absolutely. You can't blame refing for all your problems because guess what? Both teams have to deal with refing. It, it, that's something you just have to deal with in professional sports. So I just get like, there are some egregious ca cases. Like if you go back to the lions over or uh playoff loss to the Cowboys, was it uh 2011, 2014, which one was it? I can't remember which year, but it's uh, a good question. I somebody will 11. correct me in the, someone will correct me in the comments, but you know, with the, the, the controversy of the player coming out on the field when that should have been, you know, a flag and they allowed him to like convince them to overturn the call. Like, that's ridiculous. That's egregious. But, like, something like this is such a non-factor. McKinnon was a non-factor in that play. Get over it. You lost yeah. the game, and you just – you've won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. You think there wasn't refing that helped, like, some calls that helped you win those along the way? It's just something you got to deal with. Correct. Yeah, you got to grow up a little bit. So, that got, that got, that got off my chest now. I feel better. Uh, I'm glad. Any final thoughts, Scotty? Uh, we ball. We ball. I'll be back with you guys on Monday. Same time, same place. It's your team. Every day. Every day.